Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the MMA Scope. I am your co-host, Pat Shaheen. And uh, I'm your co-host, Cole Henry. Uh, We have a couple things to talk about today. First things first, though, I want to say we had an episode come out, I think it was Thursday of last week, and that was uh, because of Christmas. But going forward, forward, we are going to try to have this out um, every Tuesday so that we have a set schedule. Um... Other than that, though, I guess let's get started with uh, UFC 232. Uh, you watched the card, lots of good fights, lots of upsets, or I guess shocking outcomes, and then uh, some not-so-shocking outcomes. Uh, what was your overall opinion of the card? Uh, way to end the year. Um, overall, as deep as this card was for as many entertaining fights as there was, I think it's right up there with any other card this year. Uh... There's a lot to talk about here, so I'm not going to point one thing out just yet. What did you think about it? I thought it was a good card. Um, the prelims were exciting. There was some interesting moments there. Uh, a couple of pretty depressing moments, which we'll get to here in a moment. And then the main card had some a uh, couple of passing of the torch type moments. Um, Michael Chiesa had, looked great at welterweight. Uh, you know, Amanda Nunes obviously looked good in her new weight class as well. Um, I guess we'll, we'll get started with the bottom, though, the uh, early preliminary card on a UFC fight pass. First fight of the night, Montel Jackson and Brian Kelleher. Uh, I don't know I don't know if you saw that one. I don't think you were here yet. But uh, basically, that fight, Montel Jackson landed a, a nice elbow, dropped Kelleher, and submitted him with a darts uh, early in the first round. They re-showed it during the main card to kill some time because it was that quick of a fight. Uh, in the words of Dustin Poirier, Montel Jackson got Brian Kelleher in a sick darse. <laughs> yeah, uh, and Kelleher had managed to gain a little bit of momentum uh, here recently, but now he's lost two straight. And uh, Jackson, that's definitely a, the biggest one of his career. Uh, we had Curtis Melinder defeat Ciar uh, Bahadur Zada, and then uh, Uriah Hall and Bevan Lewis. Uh, that was quite a fight. It was uh, really Bevan Lewis was was beating Hall. Up pretty Handling. badly throughout the whole fight. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah, um, Hall just couldn't really seem to get in a rhythm. Uh, didn't really look like he wanted to be there. But then uh, in the third round, he connected with a it was a right hook. And Bavon Lewis is this young guy. He got all this attention from the the contender series. He trains some of the best in the world already. And he looked like it. He he was aggressive and he was beating Uriah Hall to the punch. But Uriah Hall in dramatic fashion, that's kind of his style, cocked one back and got him. Yeah, with that, like you said, with that being Hall's style, just thinking back to his last three wins, I know you have the Lewis come from behind victory here. He uh, had a similar performance against Christoph Jocko, and then you go back to the Gegard Masasi fight, and it it really does seem that he uh, he's really good at coming back from the jaws of defeats. I was so. in shock. Yeah, I was, I was in shock. That was wild. Uh, Nathaniel Wood and uh, Andre Ewell, that was a good fight. Nathaniel Wood showed that he's definitely a prospect to watch in the bantamweight division. Um, any thoughts on that one? He did. Nathaniel Wood, uh, much smaller than Andre Ewell, uh, came out there, the more aggressive, controlled the center of the cage, landed some really nice combos. Ewell uh, I learned this Saturday night. Apparently, beat uh, Henry Burrell. Yeah, 
in his first UFC fight, mm-hmm. which is really impressive, and I don't think he should get his head down. I, th- I think Nathaniel Wood's been on a tear as of late and uh, continued that tear. Yeah, and not to take anything away from Ewell, but uh, it is really shows, I guess, where Hina Barrow's at. It, it is quite... I almost feel like not enough people talk about the fact that he was arguably, you know, a lot of people had Heenan Burrell. I don't mean to go off on a side rant here, but, man. We skipped the first TJ Dillashaw Heenan Burrell fight because we were pretty positive. That it was going to be a one-sided yeah. beatdown. Yeah. And it was. Yeah, just the opposite. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, back to it. Uh, the preliminary card, the Fox Sports 1 are you, portion. Are you, okay, are you okay to cover the first fight here? Uh... Let, let, let me handle this one. Uh, last fight, uh, prelims on Fox Sports 1. Pretty good undercard. Ryan Hall versus BJ Penn, bud. Go ahead. Go ahead and let's get at it. Um, well, luckily I'm a big Ryan Hall fan, so I was able to... Uh, I guess the pain was sort of uh, nullified by the, the joy. I, I, I don't know. It was a... Very bittersweet moment for you were raving about it. You you were absolutely ecstatic about the way Ryan Hall finished him. I just thought you know to see Ryan Hall pull off his uh you know he's he's very well known for his heel hooks and to, to see him was a bit you know to use an Imanari role as you know B J Penn is is known for his jujitsu. He was the first American. Uh, I think I think he was the first American jujitsu world champion ever. I, could be wrong, but uh, anyway, just to see him lose like that was tough. But to see Ryan Hall win in that in that manner was uh, it was definitely something to see. Uh, as far as that fight though, I'm really excited to see what Hall can do. But uh, BJ Penn, you know, uh, Dana White uh, would love to see him retire. I did see that Dana White said he wants him to retire. At that being said, he's probably not gonna take him off a card he wants to be on. Though. Yeah, you know, for BJ Penn uh, at this point, you know. Um, I think that if the UFC were to have a card in Hawaii, it would it would be fine for BJ to be on that card. Other than that, you know, if he wants to fight, he's a grown man. But um, you know, it's just as a fan, it just you hate to see a guy lose so much when he, when you first started watching MMA, he he did nothing but win. Anyway, uh, on to the next one: Peter Yan and Douglas Silva de Andrade. Uh, Peter Yan has a lot of hype behind him, and uh, behind him, and I think he uh, showed why on Saturday night. Uh, he hammered D'Andrade early and often, and uh, forced a stoppage in between the second and third round. What did you uh, think about that I one? I think it was the right call by D'Andrade corner. Peter Yan put those hands on him. Yeah, I guess it's really all you can say. Yan, it's for a one thirty-five. You he hear hit. those shots? I remember. Watching Justin Gaethje fight for the first time and thinking, how does a 155er sound, like, how does his fist sound like that? And Peter Yan, it's almost the same noise, and he's so much smaller. Yeah. Guy's got hands. You'd uh, you'd love to see him be challenged by a, an elite grappler, but still, I think his boxing is up it's there with anybody's. phenomenal. And, and, and you know, Silva D'Andrade is absolutely no slouch. He, yeah. He looked great up to this point, uh, but, yeah... Peter Yan, I, I know I'm saying it. I don't think that it's pronounced Peter. It's uh, I wanted to say Petri, but it's like Petrovich yeah, or something. something. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I know I'm wrong, okay. but uh, so I don't embarrass myself, <laughs> I'll just say Peter. Um, but yeah, he's he's definitely a fighter to watch in the bantamweight division. Um, 
Next one, Megan Anderson and Kat Zingano. Not a lot to say there. Hurts. Yeah. Um, you know, Megan Anderson. Uh, Huge woman. She is large. She uh, aggressively attacked Zingano, forced her against the cage. Zingano, uh, Zingano tried to circle out, get off the cage, and uh, Anderson hit her with a high kick. And uh, Zingano took a uh, toe to the eye, and that was pretty much the end of it. Um, Have you heard the state of... Eye. Yeah, apparently it wasn't a serious injury. That's I, good. I saw something where she said she she just was hoping to avoid serious injury, yeah. and that was what her reaction was for. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Kat Zingano, it seems like she's had a rough few years. She shouldn't be fighting at the division. She at, oh featherweight. She looked. She didn't look un, like she didn't look sloppy. It's just if you got Megan Anderson there. Yeah, and, and, and I'm sorry, know, you're not I, beating Amanda Nunes. I know so. what you mean. Yeah, there's not a lot there for Zingano and at featherweight, but you know that's the division so thin. They're just they're having to pull fighters yeah. up to. But yeah, Zingano, it just seems you know if you look back at her early career, she has wins over. Um, I mean, Misha Tate, and, and she beat Amanda Nunes. She beat uh, Barb Honchak early in her career. She has some really quality wins, but the last few years have just been rough on her, both in and out of the cage. It seems like and. Uh, it's definitely a shame to see her lose that way, but um. Anyway, on to the main event of the Fox Sports One preliminary card, Walt Harris, uh, the big ticket, picked up the biggest win of his career, over former um, UFC heavyweight champion Andre Arlovsky. Let's rewind it. Uh, if we go back to our picks, these last two fights, I was totally wrong about. Walt Harris was the quicker man on the feet. Um, Andre Arlovsky just. He lost it somewhere along the road, and it sucks to see because he's a really entertaining guy, uh, a guy that's easy to root for. Uh, he was freaking out about eye pokes in the first or second round, and when they rewinded the footage, you could clearly see Walt Harris getting in there, but it felt like a stalling technique. But Andre Olofsky's been in enough fights to realize that there's incidental, or not so incidental, eye poking and... I know what you mean, though. It seems like sometimes guys react to uh, eye pokes. He was pokes. having a hissy fit. Yeah, you know, it's like it, it, certainly getting poked in the eye hurts, and you expect a certain reaction to that, but you occasionally do see a fight where it seems like a guy, he's almost more focused on the eye poke than he is the fight, yeah. and that kind of did seem to be going on. But, uh, yeah, I'll root for him anytime he fights. When when he recently, not recently, but uh, when he re-signed with the UFC, uh, for this current run that he's on, he, he won three or four fights in a row. Uh, got close to a title shot. That was a very exciting time. And uh, it's a shame that uh, he's lost three straight, but uh, it is what it is. And good for Walt good Harris. For Walt good Harris. win. Yeah. Good win. It wasn't a very exciting fight. Okay, let's, let me break it down like that. Was not, this might have been top, worst three fights on the card. No insult, insult to either guy. This card just had a lot of really good fights on it. Yeah. Okay, on to the uh, main card. Uh, Alexander Volkanovsky and Chad Mendez. Bit of a passing of the torch uh, type of fight there. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit later about um, Chad Mendez's decision to retire post-fight. But uh, here we're going to talk about the fight itself. Um, it won the fight of the night. It was back and forth. Uh, Volkanovsky uh, kind of seems... Like Chad Mendez 2.0. Uh, what do you think about 
really about Volkanovski and about this fight as a it whole. Was, it was a really good fight. They exchange, They were exchanging as much as you could want in a fight. Uh, Volkanovski did a great job of staying off of his back. I think at, towards the middle of the first round, that's where Mendez was trying to go because Mendez knew he had an advantage there. And Volkanovski kept him off him, kept it standing, and landed cleaner, crisper, harder combos. Yeah, I pretty much agree there. Um, yeah, I mean, Mendez, he did manage to drop Volkanovski. Yes. He, he, uh, he just seems like a guy. I know he's got some sort of a hunting uh, company that he owns. He seems like a guy that he has his interest uh, elsewhere. Um, but he has been great. Like I said, we'll talk a little bit more about his retirement uh, here in a second. Top, uh, top five featherweight of all time in the UFC, at least. Yeah, you could probably make that. I mean, I guess you'd have, you'd say Jose Aldo. Max, Connor. Max Holloway, Connor. Frankie. No. You could maybe make the argument. This is, that is kind of an interesting, it's, you know, in the UFC, the division hasn't been around too long. Yeah. There's only been three official champions. Chad's a bad man. So, yeah, I mean, you know, two two of the guys are not, you know, Cub Swanson would have to be in the consideration yeah. probably. Huh, interesting. Uh, we'll talk about about that one week in more detail. Um, anyway, on up the card, Corey Anderson and Ilo Latifi. Uh, I honestly, I didn't really get into this fight too, too much. Uh, I tried to, but um, Corey Anderson was just so much bigger. He just neutralized Ilo Latifi from what I saw. And, uh, you know, he remains a viable contender in the division and maybe a dark horse uh, candidate for a title shot sometime in the future. Yeah. I mean, you look at that division, and there's one guy at the top, and a bunch of guys looking up at him. Um, Latifi couldn't get inside. He couldn't get him against the cage. Corey Anderson picked him apart from the outside. Great execution on his part. It's a good fight, and I agree with you. I think Corey Anderson, I don't see many guys ahead of him for a title shot right now. At light heavyweight. Yeah. I guess maybe... There's uh, Anthony Smith, maybe a Why couple guys, but yeah, not too many. Um, speaking of contenders, there might be a new one at welterweight. We saw Michael Chiesa debut there against Carlos Condit, and uh, it was interesting. Earlier in the week, I forgot where I saw it, but uh, maybe Ariel Hawani's Twitter, somebody posted a picture of Chiesa in a Carlos Condit shirt from probably 10 years ago, and uh, he made it clear that he'd always been a fan. So this was a interesting fight to see. Um, Kiesa looked good at welterweight. He uh... he didn't. What is a natural sign to me is when a guy doesn't look any bigger than he did at his lower weight. He got as skinny as he possibly could to just make one fifty five, and then got back to normal. And, and I'm sure Kiesa probably walks around one eighty, one ninety, and I think one seventies is proper weight and it it showed he wasn't much smaller than a pretty big for the division Carlos Condit yeah and you know it was a Carlos Condit's definitely on the downside of things but he still is Carlos you know Condit. he's still Carlos Condit and Kiesa definitely showed that uh, that Kimura was nice that's Kimura was, he, he uh, finished it uh, for anybody that didn't see it he Attempted. It was a regular Kimura, but then you know he actually finished it with one hand he was pinning his head down with his Left and stretching the Kimura with his right. It was a really weird technique, but yeah, it, it was uh, it was cool. And uh, yes, he got that submission win there. And um, when Condit hopped up, 
his his shoulder was locked in that position for like two or three seconds before he popped it back. That's serious stuff. That's pain. Go get yourself in a Kimura from Michael Chiesa and tell me you wouldn't tap to that. Yeah, yeah. And we'll talk a little bit later about who uh, we might want to see Chiesa fight next at welterweight. He's definitely an interesting contender there. Um, called your boy out. Who did he call out? Platinum Mike. Is that who it was that he that called was, out? Or he called him Michelle Perry. Michelle Perry. Michelle Perry. It's kind of funny, actually. I uh, that'd be an interesting fight. I think uh, I think people have realized that Mike Perry might have a bit of a grappling weakness, so they're uh, Bro, looking to. You got a guy don't with a, use a, a, Mike Perry and weakness in the same. Well, it's that you realize you have a guy with a decent star, and maybe he has an exploitable weakness. I think uh, people are trying to take advantage of that. But hey, Mike Perry's at uh, Jackson Wink MMA now, so uh, look look out the welterweight division because yeah. Michael Kies is coming. Yeah. All right, now on to the uh, the two title fights of the night. First off, the women's featherweight title fight. Amanda Nunes uh, moved up to fight the champion, Chris Cyborg. Um, you can't really say a lot about... We really should have recorded our reaction to that fight because that would have explained it as... Yeah, it just was... Everybody in the room was standing up screaming. Yeah, you know, I... I um... Fifty knocking out Chris Cyborg in fifty one seconds, and you know it's funny because going into this fight, like I did pick Amanda Nunes to win, but I I absolutely admitted that I didn't really have a reason outside of it; just was kind of my gut instinct, and uh, I certainly by no means thought that the fight would go down the way it did. So uh, I don't know; it's legendary. Amanda Nunes. Baddest woman on the face of the earth. To see a fighter move up a weight class and and Hand brutally business. KO the champion, Ooh. you just it was something else. And uh, that power does not stay at one thirty five. Apparently, yeah. it, uh, man. I'm still kind of I still don't really know what to say about it. It just you know uh, you could tell you could see it in on Dana's face. That's everything you needed to say. He was ecstatic about it, and and Amanda Nunes, give it up to her. She's. It's the baddest woman on the face of the earth. Yeah, and I know a lot of people mentioned a rematch. And, you know, I guess the biggest justification for a rematch would just be that there's really nobody else for Nunes to fight at featherweight outside of Megan Anderson, who I just think might be a a little too early in her career for for that sort of an opportunity. So, uh, really, maybe just to keep the division afloat, you could do Nunes versus Cyborg, too. But... uh, I almost wonder if this just becomes a situation where the UFC just kind of says, hey, we did what we could. And, uh, I mean, it would just be bad for somebody like Megan Anderson. And, you know, if the UFC ever wants to sign Kayla Harrison, they're going to have to have these bigger weight classes for women. But it's going to be a task to keep Nunes um, at 145 defending her belt. I think, what do you see next for Nunes? I mean, I would assume... The problem is there's no. It's not like there's any real clear challengers at 135 either. I mean, there's. I think if I'm not mistaken, the number one contender is actually Jermaine. Uh, yeah, it's Jermaine Durandame, and you have to wonder if the UFC is going to be keen to give her another title shot when, you know, last time she won a belt, she refused to defend it. Yeah. Uh, Shevchenko, at 135. It'd be the the problem with that is just it'd be the, the third, third time, time they fall. I mean, they they both been very competitive, but it's just after a while, it's like. It's a tough spot. Yeah, and tough spot, and we've got that same spot in, on on our next fight uh, for a division. I guess we might as well get to it. Hats off to Amanda Nunes. Oh, absolutely. Uh, she's uh, 
and we're going to talk a little bit more about her later and her uh, her legacy and her impact um, on the sport. But uh, on to the main event. John Jones defeated Alexander Gustafsson with uh, punches in the third round to win the UFC light heavyweight championship yet again. Uh, I'll, I'll let you go first. What do you think about it? You asked me. We were getting some money out, and everybody was taking Jones, and you look me in the eye, and you say, who you got? And, and it wasn't my gut reaction that answered, but it was my heart and my hopeful, youthful optimism. I said, Alex Gendry Gustafson, I'm not taking anything away from John Jones, the fighter. I don't like Alex Gustafson that much, but I really don't like John Jones. John Jones put that work on him. All three rounds. I just, I thought it was, uh, maybe I'm being dramatic, but I, I'm not, you know, I like John Jones. I'm not a, you know, I, I try to be as, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, un... Unbiased, I unbiased. guess. You know, and I just watched it. I just, I felt like, you know, you watch that fight, it has to be one of the absolute best performances. And, and not even just of his career, of anybody's career. Like, if you watch that fight, he went in there, he, he damaged Gustafsson's legs early with the kicks. But you also notice, you know, anytime they tied up, when they separated, Jones would, would crank the arm or, or crank the shoulder. And he was trying to inflict damage to Gustafsson. He wasn't trying to knock him out with those shots, you know, obviously. Or he wasn't trying to submit him with those. He was trying to, to, to damage his ligaments, I think, to affect his punching power. And uh, he just was constantly breaking Gustafsson down throughout the fight until he rendered him almost defenseless. And then, uh, you know, took him down and just, you know, Gustafsson, he just wasn't getting up once Jones got him down like that. And I just, I don't and know. he did serious damage to his knees. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I just, I came away feeling like that was one of the best performances anybody had ever put on, and I still feel that way. Was nothing like the first fight. Uh, you know, John Jones walked his talk and maybe he didn't prepare very hard for the first Alexander Gustafsson fight because if he did, I think you would have seen something like that. Maybe John Jones didn't prepare for any fight he's ever been in serious trouble in because that John Jones is not losing yeah, to I anybody. Just, I don't know who's going to beat that it's guy. The baddest man, that's the baddest man on the face of the earth and it, it sucks if you don't like him. Uh... And I'll have to make this clear. I know he's the best fighter in the UFC. It's just... It's... That he immediately goes to the glory to God right after fighting. He's just... That's what I think makes me like him, though, is that he's just so... Like, he doesn't even try to hide... No. Like I, I don't know... I, I can't think of the proper words to describe it, but he's just... He's so unapologetically John Jones. He's great, and he knows it. And I just... I, I can't help but like that. I used to to not be a fan, but now it's like, he's yeah. He's great, it's, and he knows it. It's yeah. just... Uh, you just want to see what he's going to do next. You just hope... You know, I hope he stays out of trouble, but uh, he's a fascinating fighter to watch. And it, it felt... You know, there's not a lot of MMA main events that truly have a big fight feel, but when John Jones fought fight. Saturday night, it, yeah. it felt like it was a big fight. Yeah. Okay. Um, next thing we're going to do is we're going to talk about a couple of the uh, main card fighters and who we would want to see them potentially fight next. Um, first things first, Alexander Volkanovsky uh, called out Max Holloway. After his win over Chad Mendez, which, you know, that would mean that he would fight for the... If he fights Holloway next, he would be fighting for the for the UFC Featherweight Championship. Do you think Volkanovski is uh, ready for that? 
as much as the next guy. Uh, he looked on top of his game Saturday night. Um, I think you can only have so many fights to prepare you for a guy like Max Holloway. And I think that division is looking at a bunch of older guys at the top of it who have mostly lost to Max Holloway already. So maybe ready and deserving aren't the same thing, but I think he's as deserving as the next guy. Just the one thing, it would be a, a definitely an interesting fight. Volkanovski's been dominant, as has Mendez. But the one thing, or sorry, not Mendez, Holloway. But uh, the one thing that does jump off at me is that Volkanovski's, I, I believe he's five foot six. He would be giving up a significant reach uh, and height advantage to Max Holloway. and uh, As most featherweights do. Yeah, I just, man, it's, I pretty much agree with you. It's as good as any fight right now for Holloway, I guess. But, uh, you know, Holloway's, he's putting it all together right now. So uh, Tough man to beat. Yeah. Uh, Carlos Condit and Michael Chiesa. Um we already talked a little bit about kind of calling out Mike Perry, and that seems like a reasonable fight to make. Uh, I was thinking for Carlos Condit, a fight with Gunnar Nelson might be something that would uh, be interesting. I'm, I'm sorry, um, I got that backwards. Kiesa. Yeah, I got that backwards. Uh, Kiesa for Nelson and Condit for Mike Perry. You got Perry coming off a loss. A fight with uh, Condit might make some sense, but. Yeah, Michael Chiesa versus Gunnar Nelson. What do you think about that one? It'd be a great fight. It'd be a great display of jiu-jitsu and grappling technique. Uh, both men are good strikers, not elite, but uh, I think the I'd have to give that. I think it'd be a good fight to make. Uh, and, you know, I probably would have said this a week ago about Condit and Chiesa. I think the size will play a factor for Nelson in a positive way for Gunnar. But uh, I think it'd be a good fight. I think it'd be a really good fight to see. I'm not... Michael Kies is a good fighter. But you shouldn't be calling out Mike Perry after beating what used to be an elite welterweight, in it, my opinion. Yeah, it is. It's just, for me, I always like, you know, a guy coming off a win to fight a guy coming off a win. And Perry is coming off a loss. But, uh, yeah, you know, I guess... Uh, Condit, I'd love to see run back with Robbie. That was a good fight. Wow. It's crazy to think how close he came to being champion. Yeah. Years after he was at the hottest he ever was. Yeah. Um, all right, main two fights. Again, uh, Chris Cyborg, Amanda Noon. Do you have any interest in seeing an immediate rematch there? Or? No. No? Well, um, yeah, sure. I'd love to watch Amanda Noon sign Chris. Yeah. Uh, what could Cyborg get back in the lab and prepare better for? Uh. Um... She's a better fighter than what happened Saturday night, I can tell you that. She has enough experience to probably not let that happen again. But who knows, if a man Nunes cracks you, you know, your game plan goes out the window. Yeah, she just, uh, she chose to engage and uh, early and often. And yeah, we got what we got. Great fight, but who knows. I, uh, I would say, you know, we already touched on this in, in detail, but really it just seems like that's the fight they're going to have to go with if they want to book a featherweight title fight. And then, uh, all right, the main purpose of, uh, of all this, John Jones and Alexander Gustafsson, uh, who, who they fight next. Uh, Gustafsson, I think, you know, maybe a fight with Anthony Smith would make some sense. He's a, a top contender for sure. He's not going to get another fight with Jones, though, so let him fight some of the uh, other contenders trying to get a crack at Jones. Uh, 
but really the the main question here is uh the future of John Jones. Uh a lot was talked about it. He obviously called out Daniel Cormier post fight. He said that he doesn't want to fight Cormier at heavyweight. Cormier has said he would be willing to go down to light heavyweight. Uh what do you think? Do you think we see Jones Cormier 3 and if so, at what weight class? My heart got broken last year uh, when John Jones walked off from a head kick knockout of Daniel Cormier. Um, it's the fight to make. Uh, DC has been talking about how he wants to rematch that. What happened to Brock Lesnar, that's a whole different subject. If you're DC and you go down to 205 and you beat him, you can... St- you can stop worrying about anybody questioning your GOAT status, even though it's one out of three. Even though you could say that the last one might not account. Whatever you want to say. If you beat him once, you have a claim at it. If you ne- if you duck him, which is the smart move, let's be honest, do you see that fight going any other way than it has the last two times? No, but it is a, it's a rough situation because if Cormier doesn't do it then yeah i mean just it sucks it sucks because there's no real fight for john jones at that weight class in dc 205 there's no real fight for john jones at heavyweight other than dc that those guys have been on this course for the last five years of they're gonna fight and it's gonna be a great fight and people are gonna pay to watch it and it's going to go down as a great fight. And, and it it's culminated to John Jones cheated. If you ask DC, he's cheated every fight he's ever fought. And apparently, it, it's a tough spot. It's going to happen. And uh, I'm going to just go ahead and say now that I'm going to pick for Daniel Cormier. <laughs> I honestly, if they do fight again, I'd like to see him fight at... Uh... At heavyweight, just because we've seen him twice at light heavyweight, we kind of know how that goes. Uh, it would be interesting to see if, you know, at heavyweight, if Cormier could do things differently. But, uh, you know, I suspect that the reason Jones wants it to be at 205 is that he doesn't want to win the heavyweight title and then, you know, either immediately vacate it and go back to light heavyweight. He's not going to be able to hold both, probably. So uh, There's not enough contenders at either of them. Well, I guess that might be a reason for him to hold both, though. Yeah. There's not a lot of contenders. Fight twice so. a year, once yeah. heavyweight, once light. I don't know. It's it's all hypotheticals, but that's basically what the uh, the fights to make article is. And if you want to read the rest of that, I have that on uh, MMATorch.com. And uh, speaking of MMATorch.com, I'm going to talk about some other things that are going on there. Um, the uh, year-end awards are still going on. The most recent one posted was the KO of the year. Uh, any guess of what won that one? Golly, I should know this, shouldn't I? Um, I have no. I'm drawing blanks. It was uh, Chan Sun Young and uh, Yair Rodriguez. Oh man! But the uh, article itself, which was put up by Michael Hisco, he uh, has a note, and he has a good point, I think, where he says that uh, the Amanda Nunes KO over Chris Cyborg would probably be. Uh, you know, it would probably would have got a lot of votes for KO of the year had it been uh, an option, but it just hadn't happened yet when we voted. But for what it uh, for what it is, the Yair Rodriguez and Chan Young KO was something else. You don't need a, to watch that whole fight. Watch the last yeah. five seconds of that fight. And it was a great fight, but just that, that elbow was uh, something Yair else. Yair was arguably... Uh, no, he was winning that fight. 
I don't know. It was a really good fight. It was back and forth the whole way. If I'm not mistaken, the judges' cards were released, and I think that Young was on his way to winning a decision before he got caught with that elbow. That elbow was sick. Yeah. That. Go watch it, but if you haven't seen it, uh, Yair is in a ducked position. Chen Sung Young looks like he's going for like a front headlock or something. He's like leaning over. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, ears back, and now you're just cocks an elbow from downward position, and just money ball on the chin, knocked him out. Beautiful yes. stuff. Something else. Um, also, at MMA Torch, though, uh, MMA Torch today recently had an interview. It may may have actually been posted on uh, Monday. It's an interview with Robert O'Neill, who was uh, the guy that actually um, is credited with with shooting Osama bin Laden. It's kind of an interesting. Uh, I say kind of. It's a very interesting article. Uh, David himself was in the military. Um, he has... So he's got the interview with Robert O'Neill. He had the one with uh, Jared Gordon also. He's got some good ones coming up. He's, he's got a pretty interesting podcast. I definitely recommend checking his stuff out. And uh, yeah, like I said, interview with Robert O'Neill uh, is available now. Um, so, as always, lots of good stuff going on there, and uh, I recommend checking out MMATorch.com for any MMA news that you may need. Um, going forward, we've got a couple of more things to talk about. Uh, the Chad Mendez retirement news, we mentioned it earlier, we're just going to briefly touch on it now. Uh, Chad Mendez, coming into this fight with Alexander Volkanovsky, had said that he did not want to become a stepping stone, and uh, I think that, you know, for a guy like Mendez, who was a top five fighter for so long losing to a newcomer like Volkanovsky it's a bit of a uh you know it's like the new breed coming in kind of a passing of the torch moment and I think that Mendez you know he's probably never going to be the champion he's got the hunting company or I think it's a it's a hunting and fishing tour guide yes. company uh he's got that so um you know I think for him this is I think this is a, a good thing for him he's walking away he's, he's only 32 healthy he's healthy he can do other things i'm sure he made a good amount of money he earned tons of respect he's been a great fighter he had some exciting moments um picked he's, up several notable wins over notable fighters was in some of the biggest fights in that division's mm-hmm. history and really if you look at his losses he only lost you know up until this volkanovsky fight he didn't lose to anybody that wasn't aldo I mean, twice he lost to aldo twice Holloway. conor mcgregor and uh not Holloway, but Frankie Edgar. So, I mean, he was only losing to, to world champions. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he had some pretty nice wins over, you know, Ricardo Lamas, Nick Lance, Clay Guida, Darren Elkins. Um, he had some, some good wins, and he was a, he was definitely a good fighter. And uh, You said it about Nick Diaz. Uh, some people have trouble accepting the fact that the Diaz brothers might not need MMA as much as MMA fans need them. Yeah. And Chad Mendez is a very liked fighter and people will miss him. But Chad Mendez is going to go on to be a successful businessman with his health intact and good for Chaz Men- Chad Mendez. Yeah, it's a great thing. Um, all right, one last topic before we uh, get out of here. Um, the... Okay, it seems like every time the women's bantamweight or featherweight title changes hands, Joe Rogan proclaims the winner as the, the greatest female fighter Calm of down, all time. Man. It just seems that that always is the case. It was Ronda Rousey, you know, it was Cyborg, now it's Amanda Stop Nunes. It. Fatal four-way, Rousey, Nunes, Thug Rose, Thug Cyborg, Shevchenko, okay, five-way, 
Don't worry about it. Who else? Holly Holm? I get your point. All in one match. I Thug guess Rose the, comes out on top of the it. Thug Rose. So I, I guess my question is, who who do you think the best uh, female fighter ever is? I don't want to sound like Joe here, but how can you not say Amanda Nunes right now? Who has she not beaten? We named a bunch of those women. Holly Holm. Ronda Rousey. Chris Cyborg. I mean, like, her win list is insane. I think she, um... Yeah, I think that, you know, the other two main arguments would be Cyborg or, or Ronda Rousey when you've knocked them both out in under a minute. I don't see how you... Yeah. It, uh, it seems like it is a big topic. And, you know, it, it's all, you know... Now, for outside of the ring, for impact, Ronda, I don't think anybody could ever touch honestly. well and, and I guess that's that's what I was about to say there's I guess other ways to look at it Ronda Rousey is by far the most important to the yes. sport without Rousey it's arguable that 100%. you know Nunes and Cyborg would not even have been fighting you know in the UFC she's by far the most important but you know when it comes to skill in the ring yeah you know it's and I thought Ronda Rousey before she fought Holly Holm was this unstoppable machine who is gonna hit toss Holly Holm and tap her out that didn't happen. I was proven wrong there. When Amanda Nunes fights for the belt for the first time, I who's Amanda Nunes? You know mm-hmm. that to to go in there and to stop a woman before Chris Cyborg was ever in the UFC, I knew who Chris Cyborg was. I knew she was a freak of nature, and that no woman on the face of the earth wanted any part of her. And for a woman to call her out and then back up her talk the way she did. That's legendary stuff, and Amanda Nunes is the baddest woman on the face of the earth right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you there. And uh, I know I just said that was going to be the last topic, but I just realized that we uh, forgot Didn't to go over touch the, best, uh... the rising card. Well, yeah, and I uh, we do have to touch on a few of these fights. We're just going to kind of skim through it. Um, I uh, couldn't help myself, and I stayed up and watched a, a good portion of this card. Don't lie to our, our listeners. Uh, stayed up till eight in the morning. <laughs> uh, we saw um, Olga Sasaki make his rising debut. He beat Manel Cape. Um, Justin Scoggins uh, lost his uh, first fight out of the UFC in a while. We saw and a teepee choke. Yeah, which was break down a teepee choke. It was ba- if you watch it, it was basically just a triangle choke. Um, okay, the, I guess it was. Maybe a different or difference in the placement of the arm. I'm not really sure. Uh, watching it, it just like a triangle choke to me. But okay. you know, it was delirium was starting to set in. We're, we're getting okay. pretty late at this okay. point. Um, Johnny Case defeated Yasuki Yachi. Uh, if you watch the highlights of that fight, Yachi su- suffered a pretty brutal uh, eye injury. Uh, it was pretty swollen and bloody. Uh, on to the main card, we saw Damian Brown submit Darren Cruikshank really quickly with a guillotine choke. Um, I know you're going to love this one, bud. Uh, Gabby Garcia defeated okay. Barbara Napomasino via key lock submission in the first round. Gabby versus Nunes. Well, really, it's the the, the post-fight. We don't have to touch on the post-fight uh, antics. Gabby Garcia was celebrating and... Got I, attacked. I apologize. I don't remember the, the, the woman's name. A but, group um, of thugs? A, a group of... Old uh, A group of old... I don't know how to... A group of elderly professional wrestling women uh, stormed the cage in multicolored tracksuits, and uh, one of them uh, was attempting to get at Gabby Garcia, and it was uh, something you'll only see on a rising card. Uh, I don't know what they'll do with Gabby Garcia, but she she did pick up a win here. She's and fighting she's, all of those women. She, you know, honestly, Next. that might make sense. And, uh, 
Uh, Yuri Projaka defeated Brandon Halsey. Uh, basically, that fight was something to see. Uh, Halsey didn't want to be there. It was obvious early and often. Uh, Projaka, whose name I'm sure I've butchered every time I've said it, is to me, he's, I think he's 20. Four and three. He's definitely one of the top light heavyweight prospects outside of the UFC, and hopefully we do see him in the UFC soon. He uh, weathered the grappling assault from Halsey and uh, finished him with punches in the first round. Where's that dude from? Uh, Projaka? Yes. I said Poland last episode, but okay. he is from the Czech Republic. Republic. Okay. So uh, I apologize mess, to don't him. Don't mess with the Czech. I get a feeling he's not listening, but I apologize to him anyway. Um... Then Kyuji Horiguchi and Darian Caldwell, which is essentially a super fight. It really wasn't getting enough attention, I think. You had uh, the Bellator uh, Bantamweight champion moving over to Ryzen to fight Kyuji Horiguchi. And uh, it was a good fight. Horiguchi ended up winning with a guillotine choke in the third round to uh, become the inaugural Ryzen uh, Bantamweight champion. But uh, really... There's going to be a lot of competition with that belt in the coming months. Yeah. A lot of guys from the UFC going to be looking for jobs. That's true. Yeah, a lot of those guys from the lighter weight classes that get cuddled. But I agree with you. That's a big fight. Yeah. Then uh, Floyd Mayweather and Tenshin Nasukawa. Uh, it was... Fight of the year. It was something else. Um, Let's just stop the podcast here. Floyd Mayweather. God. Fight of the year. Honestly, it's really hard to even explain. Uh, <laughs> both guys were aggressive. You know, Mayweather just outboxed him. It went exactly like it should have gone, but... For some reason, it's still just, uh, I don't know, I'm kind of speechless here, but Floyd got the win, talked about how he made some money, I'm sure his star has grown in Japan a lot, but this was, this, this was for entertainment, it was what it was. It was a longer post-fight talk about his money than the fight, Yeah, for sure. And Nasukawa seemed pretty shaken by the loss, but I, I just, you know... This was set up for Floyd to win. It's a boxing match. Floyd yes. has a big size advantage. Props on Nasukawa for taking the fight, but uh, it was really hard to, to fault him with the loss. It just was... He had the odds stacked against him. Um, but, you know, he'll always be known as that guy that fought Floyd Mayweather. It might be the last time Floyd ever competes. Okay, let's not be unrealistic here. Floyd Mayweather's going to be broken in about two months. Well... <clears throat> Anyway, all right, well, that's about it. Uh, we're going to recommend the fight of the week. This week, um, you know, we talked about BJ Penn. He had a, a rough night at uh, UFC 232, but it certainly has not always been that way. So if you go back to uh, K1 Rumble on the Rock 4 from 2003, uh, BJ Penn, fresh out of the UFC, fought Taka Norigomi in a uh, really good fight, and I highly recommend checking that one out if you're interested in reliving some of the good times of BJ Penn. Um, aside from that, again, I just want to thank everybody at MMA Torch, Michael Hisco, um, and really, like I said, everybody there that uh, allows me to do this. And uh, anything you want to say before we get out of here? Thank you to everybody listening. Happy New Year. Thanks to MMA Torch. That's about all I got. Buddy. All right. Everybody have a good New Year.